1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. You know, some years ago, there was a pastoral assistant who conducted training for deacons for his church. And as part of his preparation, he called the director of a local restaurant school and asked, what qualities are you looking for in a waiter? And the director explained that above all else, a good waiter is someone who notices what people need and gives it to them before they ask. Now, it may seem odd to compare deacons to employees of a restaurant, but the connection is biblical. The first deacons in Jerusalem were appointed to serve meals like waiters at a restaurant. In Acts 6, we see how the 12 apostles summoned seven men to serve food so that they might be devoted to the ministry of the word and to the prayer. The word the apostles used for serving tables in Acts 6 is the Greek word for deaconing. Deacons are waiters of the church. And as the name suggests, the office of a deacon is a position of service and it has been traditionally seen as caring for the material needs of God's people. So deacons mainly assist God's people in tangible ways. Deacons are indispensable in the life of the church because amongst many reasons, chiefly, it is as Martin Luther writes, to relieve the elders of the burden of temporal concern so as to devote themselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. So while elders are devoted to the spiritual work of intercession and proclamation, deacons are set apart for the service of meeting the physical needs, such as snacks and food, making sure the sound is working properly for worship. Meals are provided for for new moms and dads. Both ministries are vital to the proper functioning of the church and to the increase of the kingdom of God. When Luke comes to the end of that section of choosing the first deacons, he carefully records, then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly, Acts 6-7. And so as menial of task as the deacons may be doing, when they faithfully carry out their work, it is central to the mission and to the growth of the church. Now, the question that I like to pose to these new, newly ordained deacons is how should you go about your office of service in a way that builds and edifies the church and honors and glorifies God? And to answer this question, we turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Now, let me set the context of this passage that is set before us. Beginning in chapter 2, verse 11, all the way to chapter 4, verse 6, the primary concern of Peter is the issue of how Christians should conduct themselves in a world that is hostile to Christianity. The perspective Peter provides with is on the suffering that is inflicted by those outside of the Christian community. But when he gets to chapter 4, verse 7, there is a noticeable shift that takes place. Peter turns on the inside of the Christian community and he gives attention to the internal life of the community and on the internal life of the ministry of the church. Now, before setting forth the various duties that the church must be engaged in, notice how he first establishes a strong motivation. He begins in verse 7 by saying, the end of all things is near. Now, Peter had first, firsthand seen how the Lord had ascended from the Mount of Olives until he vanished right from the clouds, and he heard the angels repeat the promise that the Lord would come back again. And for Peter and for the first century Christians, they were eagerly anticipating 
the return of Jesus Christ in their own lifetime. It served as a great motivation for holy lives. Just as Peter wrote in his second letter in chapter 3, 14, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless, blameless. And since one day to the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day, it is obvious that Jesus' return is closer today than it was yesterday. As the reformer Martin Luther said, there's only two days on my calendar, today and that day. Therefore, it is of great urgency that we live in light of our last hour. Now, you know, it was said of the old scholars that they would put candles in a strange candlestick in a death's head where it was held in that memorial of mortality because that realization brings sobriety to our time here on this earth. And so since the end of all things is at hand, therefore... Peter now gives four duties that should govern our lives. Verse 7, be sober-minded for the purpose of prayer. Verse 8, keep fervent in your love for one another. Verse 9, show hospitality. And our verses, verses 10 to 12, serve one another. And it is to these verses, 10 and 12, that has practical relevance to you deacons as it speaks to serving one another. As you know, I'm an outline preacher, so I have five points for you. Five directives for you, to, for you deacons to fulfill your office. Now, first, I want you to note the universality of gifts. It says in verse 10, as each one has received a special gift. Notice, Peter doesn't say if each one has received a gift, but as each one has received a special gift. Peter is saying the exact same thing that the Apostle Paul is saying to the Corinthians. That every believer is gifted by God. And to say that I don't think I have a gift is to say, I don't think I have a function in the body of Christ. And to utter such words flies in the face of the whole New Testament teaching. The fact is God has a job for every believer. Some may be more public than others. Some may be bigger or smaller, but each of us has a job to do. And each of us have been given a gift of God in an undeserved sovereign manner. Now, when the reformer Martin Luther taught and recovered the most important teaching of the priesthood of all believers, he did not mean the end of any distinction between clergy and laity. He meant that the ministry of Christ church cannot be carried on simply by the ordained clergy. The whole congregation is to be involved in ministry because everyone in the congregation has been endowed by God's grace and by the Holy Spirit and by his power. You know, I heard from someone that describing a football game as 75,000 people desperately in need of exercise, cheering on 22 men who are longing for a little rest. Well, sadly, that is a picture of many local churches. I don't believe that to be true of Pillar, as is evident by the many faithful servants we have at this church. The prolific Puritan, one of the greatest theological minds that God has gifted the church, John Owen, he wrote this concerning spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are that, are that without which the church cannot subsist in the world. Nor can believers be useful to one another and the rest of mankind to the glory of Christ 
as they ought to be. The importance of spiritual gifts could not have been stated more profoundly than that. Everyone has received a gift, and it is evident that you deacons have the gift of service. The elders see it in each one of you, as does the congregation. And so we are thankful for the way that God has sovereignly blessed each of you with this gift. Frankly, I could say that each of you, 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 for all of you, you guys have been already functioning for deacons for a long time now. This ordination service is kind of a formality. All of you are a gift to the church. But lest you start getting big-headed and get too comfortable with the applauses of men, I want you to note, secondly, the heart of the directive. Peter goes on and says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Never was a gift given as a pedestal on which we stand to parade ourselves, but to think of it as our Lord Jesus, who in the Gospel of John 13 wrapped himself in a towel and took the basin to wash his disciples' feet. Christ is our pattern. And there never was anyone as spiritually gifted as Jesus, whom the Gospel writers speak of him, full of the Holy Spirit. And there never was a more other-centered life than the one that he lived in this world. He came, as we heard from the scriptures, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came that others might have life and life abundantly. And if you're here and you do not know Christ, hear the gospel, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Think of it, the almighty, the transcendent son of God. He left the glories of heaven in order to pour out himself unto sinners like us. And to even take a lowly position of a household slave to wash the feet of the disciples who would go on to desert him. Every gift then is a call to the towel and to the basin. Never to draw attention to yourself. Never to give yourself a sense of identity. Never to display yourselves. No, Peter says, as each one has received a gift, employ it in serving one another. This gift God has given you deacons is a call to the towel and to the basin and to be used in the midst of the family of God. Now, deacons, I know that you are not like the typical newcomer checking out churches and asking what can the church do for almighty me? Rather, your heart is, what have I got to contribute to God's people? To quote a former president of the United States, John F. Kennedy once asked it this way, ask not for what the country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Never thought I would quote from John Kennedy, but here we are. But you see, Peter predated Kennedy. And he wants you deacons to recognize, to ask, not what the church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. That is the heart of the directive. But look thirdly at the governing principle. Look at the text. Peter says, employ your gifts in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You deacons are to serve in the personal consciousness as not merely stewards of God, but good stewards. Now, what is a steward? A steward is someone to whom property or money was entrusted according to the owner's will. 
And he is to use this truth not according to his own whims, not according to his own enjoyment, but according to the will of his owner. And so as you take your towel and basin, deacons, do it with the consciousness of being a steward. It has been given to you not to use it for yourselves, not for you, you to neglect, but to use it for the purposes which your master has outlined for you. And what specifically has God made you a steward of? Not necessarily your spe- specific roles of serving the youth, serving in a care team or snacks or sound team, discipleship, although it includes that. But Peter has in mind something much, much greater and grander. You are to serve with the consciousness of good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has given an expression of his grace. And to help you get a sense of what Peter is saying, think of grace in its broadest sense as the unlimited bounty of God of which this gift is part of his endowment to you. It's part of the manifold grace of God, knowing deacons that you are stewards of God's manifold grace will do something very practical to you as you serve. It will motivate you to be faithful to what God has entrusted to you because one day you will be accountable and responsible to God for it. When one day we see our master and our Lord Jesus in glory, he will ask you, were you faithful with this grace that I have bestowed on you, this gift that I have entrusted to you? What did you do with it? You see, seeing yourselves as stewards of the manifold grace of God will help you feel the weightiness of your responsibility to be faithful with what God has given you. I want to serve with this holy ambition, with this commendation from God as good stewards. This, I pray, is your holy ambition. Now, from the general governing principle of stewardship, Peter gets more specific on what that stewardship is. So, fourthly, deacons, please note the specific direction given to you. Now, Peter notes two examples of gifts. And many faithful commentators, Calvin being one of them, have interpreted these two gifts, speaking and serving, corresponding to the two principal offices of the church, elder and deacon. And so with this in mind, we would read verse 11 this way. Whoever speaks as elders do is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. If anyone serves as deacons do is to do one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Now, you don't want to find yourselves disagreeing with someone like Calvin, but I do believe in this case, Peter has more broadly in mind those that speak and serve in any capacity in the life of the church. But be that as it may, this broader direction includes the narrower. And it's very specific then to deacons. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. And again, I like to point you to the root of that word serving as the word for serving tables. Now, as deacons, this is especially a timely reminder to you because you may be more tempted to go about your deaconal service in your own strength. You may be tempted to think, well, the ministry of the word, those who preach, well, they need the special grace and they especially need to be to depend on God. But waiting on tables, getting donuts and coffee, collecting money, setting up the mic, caring for the sick, it's just a matter of rolling up our sleeve and getting the job done. Not so. God's word says, there is no service so menial 
where you are not to do so with the strength that God supplies. And what is the strength that God supplies? Well, we just heard a whole sermon on the strength and power of God and what a magnificent, unlimited power it is. This word supplies originally refers to someone providing a choir for the public festival at one's own expense and suggests supplying lavishly. God then lavishly supplies every Christian worker with the necessary strength to accomplish his or her task. This strength is something that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian congregation when he said, I pray that they would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Deacons, are you aware of the fact that the almighty power of God is already working in you? Do you realize that you are solely what you are entirely by the grace and power of God? Do you realize that in your own personal lives and experiences that it is this surpassing great power of God that accounts for everything in the Christian life? Now, one of the key ways that you can test yourselves, deacons, if you are serving with the strength that God supplies, is to be like the Apostle Paul who constantly felt this amazement when he would say, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. (laughs) He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Paul, you see, he can't quite understand himself. He has become an enigma to himself. This astonishment at himself is due to the realization of this tremendous thing that God has been doing in him and the strength and the power of God working in his life. We would all likewise, friends, be amazed at ourselves and we should look at ourselves and we say, is it possible? Is it really true of me? Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. It is because this element is missing in us that we can go about as Christians and serve with our own strength, with our own ability to perform. But deacons, you must see that the same power and the same strength that raised Jesus from the dead is the strength that will enable you in your Christian life and in all of your service. The great English expositor Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, we would not be able to stand for a single hour in the Christian life were it not for the power of God that is working in us. It should be obvious to us then that apart from the strength and power of God, we will be utterly hopeless if left to ourselves. This is why then Peter directs you deacons to serve in the strength that God supplies because as you do so, ultimately in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. This is the last directive to you deacons. The ultimate aim to glorify God through Jesus Christ declares the ultimate aim and motivation for you deacons and frankly, for all Christian living. If the return of Jesus Christ serves as a motivation for faithful service to one another, that is only penultimate to the ultimate aim in giving God all the glory. This is why Peter emphasizes in our calling to serve as stewards and to recognize our dependence on the strength that God supplies because doing so will give God all the glory. If you serve and you do it out of a sense of self-sufficiency, all the praise will go to ourselves. 
But if you do it in the strength that God supplies, all the praise goes to God. Edmund Clowney, the late Westminster professor, made this timely observation. He says, anyone who has begun a ministry in Christ's name finds it perilously easy to shift the ownership of the enterprise. It becomes his ministry, her organization. Success demonstrates one's own organizational skill and entrepreneurial genius. You know, once when John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, has been preaching in London, a friend congratulated him on the excellence of his sermon. You don't need to remind me of that, replied Bunyan. The devil told me of it before I was out of the pulpit. The temptation then for you is to give lip service to God's enabling grace, but to trust in your own performance and your own abilities. Now consider that this is Peter who we're talking about. Someone who has been especially gifted by Christ and the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we see Peter performing miraculous signs and bidding a lame man to walk in the name of Jesus. He has been given the grace to speak the word with boldness and proclaiming the gospel as eloquently and profoundly as he could. And 3,000 souls were saved. He had been delivered out of prison by angels. He was privileged to see a heavenly vision. He could claim many things to the credit of his name, and he easily could have thought in his own successful apostleship that it was he that did it all. But no, my dear friends, the secret of his apostleship and his success in ministry was that he kept serving in the strength that God supplies because his great motivation in life was that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now you would think Peter could, would end his letter after this doxology. But if you read on, he has another section on fiery trials. And then he has another chapter on more instruction on the church. But Peter was so jealous for God's glory. He was so taken up by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that he simply had to pause in wonder at his marvelous grace. So lost in wonder, he exclaims, to God belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The praise of God through Jesus Christ must dominate your life as well. To desire his glory to be made known must be the ultimate motivation to serve as deacons. We need to realize time and time again that God doesn't exist for me, but that I exist for him. Therefore, deacons, as God has graciously gifted you with the gift of service. Employ it in faithfully serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God and do so by the strength which God has lavishly supplied to you so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your excellent word and for the direction it gives on how to best glorify you through the service. We pray as you have graciously gifted these deacons that they would consider others greater than themselves, not merely looking out for their own personal interest, but for the interest of others. And we pray for all the members of your church present here today that we might all serve faithfully as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, so that you receive all the glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen.
Well, deacons, when I call your name, please come and stand with me on stage. The first deacon, Kevin W. Lee. Oh, wow. So I asked Kevin what the W stands for, and he told me that the W stands for W. (laughs) Kevin W. Lee. Kevin has served on our security team as a small group leader and on our sound team. And now, as our ministry at PBC continues to grow, our sound team has grown exponentially. What we enjoy Sunday to Sunday, Thursday to Thursday, without interruption, it takes time and it takes energy. And it takes time and energy to set up and and to make sure everything goes smoothly. Kevin, this is a thankless job. It has been said about the sound team that they are never thanked when all goes well, but they are always blamed when something goes wrong. It is a thankless job, and so it takes a particularly humble and diligent person to serve in this capacity, which is, which is why we actually have two brothers who are serving in this capacity as deacons for the next two years, which brings me to my next deacon, Daniel Youngmin Chung. Danny is an extreme extrovert. <laughs> He's always chatting with everyone. It's hard to keep him quiet. Now, everyone who knows him knows that that is not true. His quietness and his sarcasm give off a coolness about him that is just a facade. <laughs> None of us believe the cool guy facade because he, he married pretty much the sweetest person on the planet whose nickname Betrays her sweetness, candy. Danny is a big softie, and he loves people. Danny currently serves in the offering team and also as a worship leader and on our sound team. He's often the first one here at church and often the last one to leave. He is a true servant. He quietly serves, and he never complains. Thank you for your service, Mr. Chung. Janice Jeon Lee. who is otherwise known as Janny. Janny has served in the nursery as a children's Bible study teacher, as a midweek small group leader on our sound team, but that is not how we asked her to serve as a deaconess. She has been given the title, and perhaps you've heard it, the deaconess over snacks. Now, you might chuckle, and I'm glad you did, but one of the largest line items in our budget each year at PBC is for food for food. PBC spends a lot of money on food because we see food as an opportunity, as an opportunity for folks to get together and to fellowship and not have to worry about cost. Food is no small matter. It might be argued that the most important place in your home is your dinner table, your, your kitchen, where you sit down and share a meal, where food is served, the dining table, where the family sits and and fellowships, where people rejoice together and where they weep together. And when we come together and a meal is served or a snack is given, uh, whether it's a men's group or a a women's group or uh, some type of leadership meeting or perhaps a midweek event or a mini meal, fellowship is happening there. Janie, it takes a particular set of skills 
and a certain level of expertise to be the deaconess of snacks and of food. You must have a broad knowledge of different restaurants and, and foods that are delicious and cost-effective. And I know that you are more than qualified. Thank you for your service, Janie. Justin Chung. When Danny Chung and Justin Chung, no relation, when they get together, the conversation is nonstop. As most of you know, Justin is a quiet soul. He is, he is quiet, but he is busily serving. He has served as our midweek overseer, as a midweek small group leader, in our youth Bible study, as an usher. And many of you have noticed that he's often serving communion as the trays are passed. As Justin continues to serve us and each of his ministries, he will be working closely with Eugene to oversee discipleship at Pillar. Justin's desire to grow in the faith and to see others pursue Christ is contagious. Thank you, Justin, for your service. Rebecca Chung. Rebecca, my wife also has a last name that doesn't look like it belongs to her. <laughs> Rebecca Chung has served on our welcoming team as an usher in our nursery and as a teacher in our youth Bible study. Rebecca, I have watched you serve God's people over the years with grace and with kindness. Though difficult and uncomfortable at times, your love for Christ and for his church has made all of the difference. You are always ready to talk with anyone, always ready to serve anyone in any situation. And my daughter, my daughter herself, can testify of how you have served the youth well. Thank you for your service. Last but not least, Tiffany Prajuda Choi. Tiffany is not primarily concerned with planning, with events, programs, but if you know her, you know that her primary concern is with people. And so you will see her, not so much in big groups, but one-on-one, -on -one, sitting with people, listening, weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. You wouldn't know it by simply watching her because... She doesn't like being the center of attention, but Tiffany has more friend groups than you have fingers and toes, okay? This is a constant struggle for her husband who only has two friends. <laughs> Tiffany has led small groups. She serves in our nursery on our facilities team. She coordinates Pillar Gym every year. She serves with our mercy ministries, and she does much more. Tiff will be the deaconess over our care team. Tiffany, thank you for your service. Well, if you can't hear, we are a big family here at Pillar Baptist Church. We, we laugh at each other, and we laugh with each other. And before you stand, three chungs, two lees, and one choy. And these brothers and sisters have served all of us well. As we sit around the dinner table, they are busily serving us. 
while we enjoy the fellowship, they are, they are up and about, as you know, serving us. They have served us over the years, and they will continue to do so. And for that, all of us, we are all grateful. Grateful to each one of you, each one of you deacons, but ultimately grateful to God. Our elder Basil will come and read the qualifications for a deacon, after which Elder Mike will lead our deacons in their vows, and finally, our elder David will lead us in a prayer of dedication. Beloved, it is God and not man who instructs the church regarding deacons and their qualifications, and God does so through his holy word. Thus, I'll be reading from 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 16. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the ministry of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by an angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Amen. It is my privilege to administer your vows before your church family. And I remind you that the first three, as I read them, the first three you will respond with, I do. And the last set of three you will respond with, I will. <clears throat> do you reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ, your Savior? Acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you sincerely believe receive and adopt the essential tenets of the faith as expressed in our statement of faith? Do you accept with conviction of heart and love for God the office of deacon to serve and promote God's glory in the gospel of his son? Will you be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as a deacon serving the people of God at Pillar Baptist Church? Will you in private and public walk with exemplary piety before this congregation? Will you take personal responsibility over the life of the church by protecting and loving its people? As uh, Pastor Eric and Dave um, pass out your certificates of ordination, let me read that to you. Pillar Baptist Church, we, the undersigned, hereby certify upon the recommendation and request of Pillar Baptist Church that these brothers and sisters are solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the office of deacon by the authority and order of Pillar Baptist Church in accord with the Word of God and the Constitution of Pillar Baptist Church, given on this fifth day of February in the year of our Lord, 2010.
2023. Let us pray. A good and gracious God, as we recognize our new deacons here today, we honor them for their faithfulness and service to your church. Yet, more than that, it is rightfully a recognition of your faithfulness and your service to this church. For you are the one who loved and saved each of these individuals. You are the one who drew them to come and believe unto Jesus Christ, your son, that they may love and cherish him and recognize him as their Savior and Lord. And only by the work of your Spirit have they come and served in faithful obedience. So as we come and recognize and ordain these faithful brothers and sisters for the work of the ministry, we recognize that these six deacons are evidence, a clear display of your love and your faithfulness to our church. So as you have trained and bought brought each of them up to this moment, we pray that you will continue to draw them near to you all the more unto your praise and glory. May their service and sacrifice be a fragrant offering, holy and pleasing to you, O God. May their good works be a model for the rest of the body of Christ, that our church may never lack sacrificial servants that seek to honor and glorify your name. So in all praise, in all honor, in all thankfulness, we pray that your hand may continue to work in and through them, that they may be filled in the Spirit, walking in the truth, increasing in the love of Christ, faithfully serving and fulfilling their roles that you have granted to them. And all this they do because of the grace upon grace you have showered upon all of us. Continue to grow your church, O God. Continue to glorify yourself through us. May we all be faithful vessels of glory and honor unto you. I pray all these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.